You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders within the UK. I'm Ruth Pike. I help connect tech teams with contract tech talent. And today I am your host. And today I'm joined by a really great panel to discuss creating high performance teams. So before I delve a little bit deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around the room. And what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and also what it is you're passionate about. So David, give us a little intro. Thanks, Ruth. Um, yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so yeah, my name is David Buchalter. I'm an engineering manager at Liberus. And yeah, I'm based in Edgeware in London. Uh, what I do, so I manage a team of... Uh, six uh, software engineers. We built uh, solutions to support Liberus' merchants experience. Uh, what I'm passionate about is improving people's quality of life through the use of technology and also growing my team and building their capabilities. Um, so yeah, that's uh, a bit about me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jen. Over to you. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Jen Beattie. I'm uh, Head of Engineering here at Give Panel. So I manage a very small team at the moment, uh, although we are growing, of um, one QA, one developer, and we're bringing on a junior very soon. Um, I'm very passionate about advocating for women in technology, uh, especially when it comes down to software development, as there is a, a dire shortage of women in tech. Um, so yeah, outside of work, I must say, I've become a little bit obsessed with my own puppy. We've just got a five-month-old <laughs> corgi, so he's just too cute. <laughs> Who wouldn't be obsessed with that? <laughs> and Dale, tell us who you are. <laughs> I'm Dale Brotherton. I'm a Chief Technology Officer at Synetic Solutions, which is a, a big data and AI company, and it uh, looks for uh, criminal behaviour in, in uh, for financial services organisations and for right. uh, public sector organisations. In terms of what I'm passionate about, apart from my family, my dogs and rugby union, and then um, very much coming in every day, working with my friends, doing really interesting work. You know, that's that's what gets me up and gets me going in the morning. Brilliant. Thank you all for um, giving a little intro into yourself. And now that we've got established a bit of a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic and focus. So we're all here because we've got an interest and a passion in creating those high performance teams. So I've got a number of questions to cover. So I'm going to work around the room. I'll pose the question and then I will basically go to yourselves and give you the opportunity to give your take on that situation. So we're going to start with yours, Dale. Um, and what the question that you posed was, how do you build a multinational team working towards common goals, ensuring everybody is connected, informed and motivated towards achieving a common set of goals. I'll let you start us off. I mean, the, the biggest thing is when you've got a multinational team to work across different time zones, different, you're still a team. It's really important that people culturally understand that you're still one big team. And I think what that means is that you've got to demonstrate to people that you're committed to their uh, 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 to, to their quality of life and their quality of work and that you're going to be part of their team. As an, as a, an executive, you need to visit, you need to be there and allow people to see and make sure they understand. You need to offer them a career path. I think very often people, especially if they're working in offshore locations, they feel like there aren't ways into architecture for them. There's not ways into uh, management for them. You've got to show them that actually all these that their career is going to be managed and is in their hands, same as it would be if they were working anywhere else, and that they've got uh, full control over that. And I think it's also really, really important that you make 
fully inclusive team events that people can get engaged in. I think that there's things like multicultural quizzes where you, you allow them to set questions about their own country and you all that you all get together it's a virtual thing and but ideally as an executive you're there with them working with them and you're having this um uh, experience together things like 24 hour hackathons where people can work on really good business problems or technology problems uh, and and you know share and collaborate and you've got teams that are, are made up of cross-nationality it, it's so important it's so important and last of all you know learn a few words of the language and just go over and say hello thank you goodbye and, and i think it just shows that little bit of you know you, you've really invested in making them successful so yeah i think it that that's i would say that's my big recipe for how i tend to engage with offshore and, and multinational teams yeah brilliant and obviously offshore it's people sometimes think oh it's just they're not on the same timeline but it is literally like you said just learning a few things while you're in the office together as well yeah. um, and just making sure that they feel like they're welcomed which is a massive thing for yeah. everybody as well isn't it, it? Is. They've just got to feel that they are. That it's a team, and they've got yeah. careers, and they'll be the same as everybody's the same. When they come in, when they do interesting work, when they work with people they like to work with, do that. Life's good. You know, <laughs> you just break that for them. Yeah, great, Jen. I'll move over to you. What 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 are your thoughts, or what what is your experience that you may have had in this situation? Yeah, it's kind of kind of similar. Um, we find it a bit of a struggle with the time zones, actually. Even as you say, it it you only need to be offshore a little bit, and it's and it becomes a bit of a problem. So uh, just as an example, we've got people in North America and Australia. And now the time zone for Australia is like 12 hours out. So that's quite a struggle when you're trying to make decisions, but you want to include all your team members in, especially if there's a 12 hour difference. What that has meant is that it definitely slows down decision making, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. So you get more time to get buy-in from everyone in all territories before you go ahead and make a decision that's key for your business. Um, so yeah, in terms of ensuring everyone's connected, we use Slack and email for most of our communications. That seems to work really well because with this sort of asynchronous working now, you can send a message and then just wait for them to, to come back online and reply. So in terms of getting engagement from your team, it's, it is still a challenge, but with the asynchronous working and 24 hours a day we've still got that contact to be able to keep people sort of engaged and, and motivated with what they're doing so brilliant lovely go on then david i think around common goals i think it's important to keep them simple um as well as uh repeated often i think that's important that um everyone knows what the what, what we're trying to achieve um and then that's uh essentially like a simple a single objective that we're trying to do as soon as you try to say do too many things uh that can get a bit crowded and a bit confusing for people um i think everyone needs to feel important um and part of the team so even though they're out maybe offshore um and they connected but they can even uh, as long as they're close in terms of the uh their, de their dependency and their uh their responsibilities in the team that they feel that they're adding that value and that they're part of the team and that they're uh, trusted to give uh, to do what they need to do um so essentially not micromanaging them so much but as more giving them that trust and responsibility um yeah i think that that's uh, should also again come through with strong leadership um and in the team so that they once again have full buy-in and are motivated yeah. to achieving the goals that you set up yeah 
It's so important, isn't it, to remember the goals? <laughs> it seems so simple, but but most of them not. It's a lot of them are always forgotten because people are just um, blindsided and just have their own goal. But as long as you're working together for a, a set goal that it is for everybody, then obviously you can work a lot more seamlessly together. Um, so like you said, it is just a matter of reminding them what the values and what the goals are yeah. quite quite continuously to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Um, and in terms of like motivation as well, um, what what has anyone done to basically motivate their team? Or Dale, you've got your hands off, go for it. No, I was just, I was going to just, what David was saying about keeping it simple and repeating, I think that's absolutely critical to it. I mean, I think if, if you can just get a few very simple sort of mission statements out there keep people working towards it i think that's really really key because you know people respond well to those they don't know people don't need 500 different metrics in order to tell them that you know because you're always going to be failing on one of them keep it simple keep it pertinent and just keep going at it i think it's david's bang on with that brilliant lovely and would anyone else like to add anything before we um bob over to the next question no Brilliant. So the next question is yours, Jan, um, and it is how do you manage your team or staff, staff's performance when working from home? So that's individual KPIs. Are they a help or a hindrance? And I think this is quite a juicy one because I've done a few polls on this. So it'll be interesting to hear what you think in terms of KPIs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'll hand it over to yourself first. Yeah. So this one's a bit of a, a struggle point for me. Um, having come from a 100 percent um, office working environment to then be 100 percent remote, it's a completely different environment. In terms of managing a team, it's wildly different. So the problem that I'm facing at the moment, when you're in the office, you can see people, you can directly engage with your colleagues. And when you're working from home, you kind of miss that. You don't get to tell if somebody's having a bad day or if they're really stressed out, unless they literally send you a message um, on Slack or on Messenger. And it, it makes it difficult to be able to manage performance if you don't know how you're team are so that's one of the problems that we're facing now we're big advocates for flexible working which again adds sort of slightly more problems um, to managing performance when you've got people that will be working all hours and again going back to the previous question um, dealing with sort of multinational and, and different time zones if you've got your team working different time zones different hours and they're remote how do you manage performance in terms of what your team is outputting when you can't really see what they're doing <laughs> and again I think this comes a little bit down to what David mentioned earlier about micromanaging it's really hard not to end up micromanaging people when you don't know what they're up to. <laughs> um, so then it, another one was this, this uh, individual KPIs, whether you manage your performance by setting individual KPIs. Now, personally, I absolutely detest individual KPIs. I find them really hard to work with and um, they're a bit soul destroying if you don't end up hitting targets or, <laughs> or you miss targets or for whatever reason, um, it just makes it a bit more difficult to, to carry on with the job that you're supposed to be doing. So yeah, it's sort of less about how many hours you spend glued to your desk, but more about the amount and quality of work that comes out at the end. But how do you keep your team engaged and manage their performance when you can't really see what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, Dale, do you want to um, put any anything into that in terms of what, what maybe you've done in the past to keep them engaged um, when you've actually not, you've not actually been within the same room as that person? Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think I've got sort of 
back up what Jen was saying there. You know, I mean, it is, it is complex, especially when you've got people right over the other side of the world. Uh, and, you know, I think some of it is uh, really got to understand who those people are, the individuals, what's motivating them, make sure that, you know, make sure they, they feel trusted in you and that you can trust them. And then I think, again, a lot of it comes back to having simple ways of understanding people's productivity as long as the quality is coming out as long as they're, they're meeting the deadlines you know i wouldn't want to over uh, over complicate the situation for them so th things for me if we can agile way i really want to understand people's velocities and be able to compare that by through different regions things like that so that i've got things that i know that i can i can focus a, a discussion on so if i'm seeing a certain area that they are uh, their velocity is, is is not quite the same as in other areas. I can talk to them. It doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. They might just be doing different work or got other problems. But I think it's just about keeping things simple, communicating all the time, and ensuring that they know that you're a trusted person to come and talk to, and that you're gonna you're gonna uh, uh, help make things better rather than anything else. And then you've got the communication going. And if you have to do that over email because it's twelve hours away, you have to do that. You know, I mean, it's just it's just. Uh, uh, the, the, the less of all the evils available to you. Yeah. Um, and Davis, what 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 are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, I mean, I'll start with basically what Simon Sinek said, which is when you tell people to do their jobs, they'll get workers. But when you trust them to do their work uh, and to get the job done, then we're going to get leaders. So that and that's what you really want. Um, so as, as um, so for the team uh, or individual. So we're talking about individual KPIs or individual performance, we're looking at how well are they taking on their role. So their role, I think, should be clearly defined. They understand what, what, what are they really, what's their objective? What are they trying to achieve? Um, and uh, giving them uh, that uh, responsibility that they then take that on. Um, I've also worked with my team individuals and I have like one-to-one -one meetings with them once a week, uh, regularly uh, understanding what where, where they are and what they where they're, where they're headed. Um, but, uh, with plans of like uh, personal development plans that they know, so they say they want to certify in Azure or um, if they're looking to become an engineering manager, um, depending on where they are in their career. And um, so it's not so also uh, wouldn't go for a KPI, so to speak, but more looking at them as a whole individual and where they want to, where they want to be. Um, and then, yeah, giving them a sense of ownership of the technology um, and and the, the product that we're, that we're trying to do uh, or trying to build and um and really adding value to 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 people and to the business so um they really see that their efforts are bearing fruits and uh, they can then be motivated to not only improve uh, themselves but also uh, the product and the business yeah i think it's really important as well to help people um take accountability for their own work because obviously mm -hmm. at the end of the day if someone's if some if the if, it, if it's on somebody else or it's personally it's your task to get from A to B then you then will take up accountability for it and like you said if you trust people to do it and let people have the autonomy to to get on and say this is our end goal do what you need to do instead of say well you need to do x amount of coding or x amount before every single day it, 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 as long as the, the common goal is is always the same it should only be the, the the outcome really and not not what you put into it which is the poll that i did <laughs> so basically the poll i did was um activity or out, um, outcome so basically what's more important um and i think literally 99 percent of people put the outcome and like 
a couple of recruiters <laughs> put the um put the activity which is obviously as recruiters it's it's something that it, the more you do the better so yeah that was quite funny to see um, Jen you've got your hands off yeah it was just to say that kind of fits in with um something that Dale mentioned about working in sprints um and an agile format so we set sort of a, a set amount of tickets per sprint or some amount of story points um and again yeah, that comes right back round to it's not the activity it's the outcome so we're at the point where I don't really mind how you do your work or when you do it you could work at three o'clock in the morning but as long as by the end of that sprint the work that we've agreed is manageable for that time frame is done and up to a good standard then when they do it and how they do it, it's entirely up to them i guess so um and then yeah, the other the other point that david made about regular one-to-ones i think that's a really really key thing having a regular one-to-one with people when they are remote is really good because you don't get that personal interaction day to day um we, i do my monthly just because we're quite busy day-to-day anyway um but weekly i'd love to do them weekly <laughs> um so yeah just having that connection with your staff and being able to so yeah keep it going i guess that's uh, mm-hmm. really good so i mean do you think there's a quite a quite a fine line isn't there before working to get it done and overworking because obviously like how is it how do you determine well obviously you've got people in your team who some people they'll wake up like you said they'll wake up till 3am but how do you manage people from burning out? Because if, if they work from home, how do you actually establish if they're doing maybe too much because they don't know, know what else to do with? A lot of people got into that. I know I did when the first lockdown came in. It's like, I thought, what's about doing? No shops are open. Usually I just go to the shops or do something, but there was nothing else to do. So how would you manage that? I mean, David, you've got your hand up. I don't know if it's something to do with that point. It wasn't but um, yeah, so my, well, I mean, I can continue on that point. Um, overworking, I think, I think it is important for the man, uh, the line manager to to uh, be in, in tune with their with their staff and see where they are and how if they're overworking. Um, generally, I would, uh, that individual that's overworking, I would say, would try and delegate. You know, write the tickets, but don't do every all the work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so essentially, lift them up to to. Uh, uh, a role where they they're actually doing more delegation as opposed to doing all the work. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's 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 a requirement to do all the work. But if you're busy, that's good. But not to yeah. do all the work. I think that that's yeah. The, the reason I raised my hand was more around um, and giving regular feedback. Uh, I think that yeah, we use a particular tool. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what the tool is, but anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a really good platform for for giving feedback and asking for feedback around. What a person should be doing, what they should start doing, what they should stop doing, and what they should continue doing. Um, and we all, and we we send we send that around uh, to give people feedback, um, so that they can grow and say, well, what how 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 am I, how am I doing actually? Mm-hmm. Uh, and giving that feedback in a in a constructive format. Yeah, brilliant. And Jen? Yeah, my, going back to your point about burnout, I am a prime candidate for burnout. I know I don't delegate when I should delegate, and I work literally from the moment I wake up until I go to bed um I know it's not sustainable and I need to stop doing it but there's that point when as a team member and as a a a member of the leadership team you don't want to say no to people that ask you for help but at some point you have to when there's just too many people that all require your attention so yeah delegating is like a really good thing to be doing um and even for sort of lower on junior members of staff to be able to delegate to others and just to ask for help is a really key thing and it means your team gets more engagement as well if you're if you're asking each other for help asking questions then i think that's really good to 
help your team grow like together um but yeah I think thank you um so i'll move on to the next question if anyone else has got anything to say before so three two one no <laughs> um so david um it's your question obviously so um you asked how do you manage communication difficulties between team members with different cultures so we've a little bit touched on this but yeah go go in terms of your experiences and maybe how you managed that in the past or yeah. in present so, yeah so that was uh, something that came up because we, we we have people from different cultural backgrounds also with nearshore or offshore um working with contractors and it's uh, it came up as a difficulty where people uh just couldn't understand each other actually they were saying well i just don't understand what that guy's saying <laughs> <laughs> and uh we were basically i i said to them to to really just it was I was really glad that they said to me, I don't, I don't know what, I, they flagged the problem. So first of all, was, I didn't know that there was a problem. Um, so they, so that the, it would be good that your uh, staff have the confidence to come to you and say, I don't understand what that person is saying. And then I broached the subject with that individual as well. Um, and essentially just maybe speak slower, um, but also use uh, documentation to facilitate that, that communication and really share the knowledge because they were, you know, highly skilled individuals, but just that aren't. You know, one's from, you know, Asia, uh, one's from China, one was from Sri Lanka, and, you know, it was, um, you know, <laughs> completely different backgrounds. So neither of them had English as the first language. Uh, now they're trying to understand each other, both speaking a second language. Uh, so it becomes really difficult. Um, so it's something that you have to broach. And so that was, I wanted to see how that, um, how you guys are doing that time in your teams. Yeah, and you've come up with like maybe documentation. Is it any set or is it just via email or is there any set um, online platform that you would use for that well we're using confluence so that's like a document so it's more like dynamic com uh, um, documentation so really would be like a knowledge sharing platform where you then uh, can document this piece of work or uh, put, essentially it was around knowledge sharing mm -hmm. um, and so, so through documentation they could then um, understand each other better because I think through writing it's it, it comes across at least it's, it's slowing it down yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, so I think that's that's come up across earlier with what Jen was saying, slowing down the decision-making and slowing things down can then help people to, to really understand and get on the same page. Yeah, and it's a trust element as well, isn't it? So like people are, trust it, are trusted to go see yourself and, and be able to say that, which is, say, it says a lot about a leader as well. Um, Dale, obviously you said you um, said about communications with, with different officers and, and yeah. offshore and stuff like that. What, what would you say in this instance in terms of well, the communication think, value? Yeah, I think, I think it's, you've just got to be humble as well. You've just got to, especially when you're working with people from a different culture and you, you, it's for the first time, you've really got to go out of your way to ensure that, you know, that they 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 know that you're there to help and be part of the uh, solution, not the problem. And really, really, you know, start building um, a few people that you're very, very, uh, you know, you get closer to quite naturally. And then if you if you want to check something, use them. You know, definitely don't. If you're in a meeting that you know you're having issues with a certain person, definitely don't pick it up there straight away. Go away. Work out how you want to tackle that. Uh, particular situation use your trust advisors who, who are from that culture and allow them to guide you through the uh, um, uh, to guide you through the process and to make sure that you know you, you're doing things that are right uh, for me uh, I worked in Japan for a long time and there it was it was very very different um, attitude very different culture it was very different how you work with clients and how you work with uh you know and you've just got to 
build you know your trusted confidence and make sure that they know to keep you on the right track and if you're going off just give you a gentle tap every now and again a word here just say you know fine we've got it you know if there's things that are really important like that in japan use of business cards learn those customs go out of your way get on youtube do whatever you need to do in order to understand how you should present yourself especially on first meeting with people that's great thank you and jen obviously you've got quite a lot of offices throughout well basically worldwide is what um experience maybe if you had in terms of communications and stuff I'll be honest, I've not really dealt with um, massive cultural differences, not in terms of like language barriers. Um, the majority of our colleagues are like, English speaking as a first language or very fluent second language. Um, but that being said, we do find it difficult, even with just like English speaking, in terms of when you get um, a number of technical people that are really good, technically really intelligent people, but their communication skills maybe aren't number one. It's really hard for them to articulate to you a problem that they're having or um, an issue that they've got. We find that the best, or I find personally the best way, again, coming down to, to writing it out, because you'll find most people's written skills are potentially a bit better than sometimes um, verbal skills and it means that they can think about it and they don't have to think on the spot oh god what's the word for it or how do I say this or what do I do and it's that sort of moment of panic where you don't know how to say something so yeah documentation um, is really really good as David mentioned and then another thing that's I find really useful is um, doing retros so doing retrospectives on project or a piece of work and then I imagine that's probably how you found out originally about having communication issues is um, like going over what like previous previous things but yeah we usually address anything that comes out and then we're like okay how can we solve this what do we need to do what what's best for you how do you work what's your way of working and then go from there so yeah definitely up for the written um but then yeah it comes down to being open and honest with people um and hoping that they're open and honest with you that's great and it's all about people's languages isn't it so you're like you learn a language communication language and it's for making sure that you know how the people in your team, what makes them tick, what, what's their why, why, why is it that they're coming to work and, and basically getting to know them a little bit better as well. Um, but I think every single person here has said about the trust element. So it's just a matter of making sure that your team member respects and trusts you and just move forward that way. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I just want to build off what Jen was saying there as well, you know, because it totally resonated with me you know, especially doing the retrospectives. And I think it's really important that people, like, if there's an issue, you only dwell on it long enough to understand the issue. You don't go, you don't allow that to go into a blame game. You know, if you, if people underperform you, that's fine. You can go and, you, need to, you do need to address that. You need to sort out, you need to understand why. But, you know, don't do that in, in, in a forum and make sure that people, even if you're, someone under, you want, you're there to help them, they'll lift up to uh, the same level uh, uh, as perhaps other people. They may need training, they may have a personal issue. It, but the really important thing is never, ever allow a problem to, to deteriorate into a blame game because that is just the death of all things and you, yeah. you start becoming a trusted advisor at that point you start becoming you start looking at creating them and also what Jen was saying the retrospectives and having that attitude was that yeah it really resonated for me brilliant yeah go on Jen have you got your hands off as well yeah yeah so this was the, that blame game that you just mentioned then that's a really big thing um previous places that I've worked it's been a real issue where it's 
they focus too much on pointing fingers and saying it was your fault rather than actually going, well, okay, this happened. How do we solve it? And how do we stop it happening in the future? And again, this just does go back to like team performance. If you're going to point fingers at your members of staff to say, oh, well, you broke this thing. Like, what are you going to do to fix it? That's not going to get team engagement. That's not going to help anybody. It's really key, I think, to have that sort of inclusive team mentality where, yes, somebody may have broken it. Nine times out of 10, it was probably me. Um, <laughs> but you need to sort of band together as a team, as a, as a group. Absolutely. To get that involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely no blame culture would be the way to go. Uh, that's what we've got. And it's turned out, well, I mean, you know, it's especially if it, if it, if it was someone that you know, okay, yeah, that, it was that person, but there's no benefit to saying, oh, it was that person. You know, it's us. No. It's us, it's us, we're the team, we, we're responsible for this. Let's, let's find out the way of, of solving it and making it better for, for the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we even go through uh, like incident retros and go through how, how can we improve things so that that incident doesn't happen again um, and not blaming anyone. So, exactly, yeah. yeah, and a lot of the time on these podcasts, everyone always could say it's like you learn from when you fail. Yeah. <laughs> so all these, yeah, you're obviously, if, if something doesn't go right, then when you're actually fixing it and speaking to your team, that's when you learn as a team um, and, and grow. So it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Go over to you, Dave. Yeah, again, you know, what, what Jen said, again, Jen, what she says, it just, it just really, really resonates with me. I think everybody's been in a blame, sort of like that sort of blame game culture where, you know, people are far more interested in throwing other people under the bus than they are getting. And for me, you know, you've always just got to step out of that and you know for me if i'm if my team if i'm running a team and i'm responsible for something then it, the blame stops with me if it's coming from down i think it's really important that you're that buffer you know you don't start saying oh well yeah i know but it was joe over there he did something it was joe might have been doing that two thirty in the morning and it's because other things happened and then it was you, you just got to say yeah it happened what we're learning the mistakes go on and as you say you know if you don't make a mistake you don't do anything so you you learn more from those mistakes than you do now so while you don't want to be constantly rewarding failure you also you want to make sure that this is my team i'm in charge of it if anything happens ultimately i'm accountable the book stops with me i'm not you know to anybody more senior then then i'm the face of that and i i, I will i will make sure that i take the uh uh, the rough uh, when it when it comes and that I'll pass it smooth through and that we'll all we'll all rejoice in a job well done. Great. But yeah, that that again where you, it's just people just it's toxic. Who wants to work yeah. on that? No, I mean there's too much of it around the world. Let's make sure that the workplace is at least positive. Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, does anyone want to add anything onto that? If not, I'll um, I'll I'll end up I'll start um, closing down now so what I'd like what I always like to finish with is a bit of advice for someone say starting their tech career starting their, starting an IT or tech maybe is got a team um, and having a few issues with it so yeah any any best advice for somebody listening to this podcast so David I'll start with yourself what would you, what advice would you give um, yeah I'd say just uh, don't be afraid to ask for a mentor um, and um, yeah just just um, go for it and put both feet in and uh, really just go for it so yeah and just don't be afraid to learn new things and step out of your comfort zone so yeah brilliant thank you jen i'll go to you next what advice would you give someone maybe starting off in tech very similar uh ask <laughs> as many questions as you can um i found 
it's really easy to sit there and not ask questions and not understand and then never learn. So yeah, ask as many questions as possible and never be afraid to say that you don't understand something. If you're starting out, you're not going to know everything and you just need to to know that and they know that. So yeah, ask as many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And Daya, what advice would you give to someone starting their career? Everything. I mean, IT is a massive, massive subject and you can, you know, you can be uh, you can do great technology roles, you can do great management roles, you can do great uh, architectural roles. There's just so much there. You know, be very, try everything. You know, you, you might start off in development and you, 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 after a while it just doesn't do it for you anymore. Though. So go and try and be something else. Understand what it's like to be. It's really important to understand what it's like to be at three o'clock in the morning, wondering why that thing's not working. And it's also really, it's really important to understand the pressures of management and what it's like when you're the one who's got to get something over the line by a certain date or there's huge penalties behind it. It's a very, very broad church where you want to make sure you sit on as many pews as you can so you'll find what it is that you love the most and then just go after it and just do it and do it and do it. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you all very, very much. Um, so we'll, that's a wrap. <laughs> um, all I want to say is thank you very much for taking the time out your evenings or your days to um, to come and get involved, speaking so openly about what it is that you think in your outreaches and all the, the questions that we've spoken about today. Um, so this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. And for everyone that's listening, thank you. <laughs>